going to share with us. Bless you, Wendy. Well, I'm going to start by asking you a question. How many of you have ever made a bucket list? Oh, quite a few. Well, I made mine when I was still, when I was much younger. And most of the things I have actually been able to tick off my list. When we came to Chipping Camden, I had three things left. The first one was to go to the Holy Land, which of course I did with Phil and the, t the party from church two years ago. The second one was to see inside Buckingham Palace, which I did a fortnight ago. Yeah, really. And uh, my third one was to write a book. And that one is just still a pipe dream at the moment. But we're going to look at the story of two elderly people who also had a bucket list, but their bucket list was very unusual because they only had one item on it. And it was to see the long-awaited Messiah. And they were prepared to wait decades, if necessary, to see it come about. So we're going to turn to the Bible reading, which is Luke chapter 2, starting to read verse 25. You'll be seeing it in the NIV version, and I'm actually going to read it in the NRSV version, which is very similar, but a couple of the phrases I like better. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to the mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage <clears throat> and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. <clears throat> the 
obviously the person that I want to concentrate on this evening is Anna. She appears to have made a conscious choice about her life as a long-time widow. Luke says she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, day and night. Well, anyone who's prepared to camp in a public place like that, denying themselves food and sleep, must have iron self-will. It's self-discipline, born of an unwavering desire. I think she must have been absolutely formidable, a grace-filled woman defined by the exceptional amount of time she chose to spend in the presence of God. When the Messiah made his debut, carried in in his parents' arms into the temple, no one that day was ready for him. There was no pomp, no theatre, no press release. And amid the crowds and the bustle, the fear and the anxiety of an occupied nation, Jesus is spirited in, seemingly ordinary and unexceptional. But Simeon noticed him, and so did Anna. Two old people about to be entrusted with breaking the world's most exciting news. It's tempting to think that this is God's upside-down way of doing things, but perhaps that's because our perspective of the world is topsy-turvy, not his. And in those days, there might have been nothing exceptional about two elderly people breaking the news, because such elders would have been respected for their wisdom and their capacity to wait patiently. Nowadays, by contrast, we value the ability to do lots of things at once and at great speed, crossing off items on our bucket lists with vigor and assuming that only the young can be the pioneers in this world. But God chose Anna. And I love this because now that I'm old too, it makes me realize that he can still use us. And bearing in mind the characteristics of this old and amazing woman leads me to obviously explain to you this new calling that bears her name. Anna Chaplins offer pastoral and spiritual care and support to the elderly. The Anna name reinforces the fact that much of the work is with those who have suffered loss and bereavement. It's a hope-filled ministry which highlights the tradition of older people having prophetic voices and which recognizes that many old people have wisdom to impart to the young and life lessons to share when it comes to spiritual formation. Appropriately, Anna, the name, means gift or grace. So this morning, we took the very exciting step of establishing Anna chaplaincy here in Baptist Church. And I'm privileged to have been commissioned as the first Anna chaplain here. As you know, we have wonderful children's work and youth work already here. But up until now, I don't think we've had an intentional ministry just for the old. And it means that we as a church are saying older people matter. And it's not only timely, but it represents a response to the clear biblical imperative to look after widows and look after the vulnerable. And so today I have joined a national network of Anna chaplains, men and women, lay and ordained, some paid, some voluntary, but each named after this impressive role model. The network was founded by Debbie Thrower when she joined the Bible Reading Fellowship 10 years ago. 
And from that one person where she started the ministry in her own church, it has now grown to more than 80. In fact, I think that I'm number 86. And it extends from Northumbria to the south coast. As Debbie Thrower explained to me, in a sense, it helps to think of Anna Chaplin's not just as pioneers, but as modern-day navigators. Navigators helping men and women facing the challenges of old age, loneliness, shrinking horizons, and serial losses. Anna Chaplin's are in the forefront of helping people in their later years express their hopes and their fears and what truly matters to them. Our culture today prizes being quick-witted, image-conscious, goal-orientated, and it values those who embody those qualities. And conversely, it tends to shun those who don't. But squarely in this category are old people with declining health. The job description of an Anna Chaplin is to inhabit this upside-down world of God, where such people are, on the contrary, in the centre and highly esteemed. In a recent debate at the General Synod in York, the Bishop of Exeter talked about loneliness. And he said that as Christians, he thinks we should challenge the dominant national narrative that glamorizes the young and beautiful and ignores the old. And so here we are today in our church, having taken a vital first step towards challenging the status quo and putting these people center stage. The parables of God the parables speak of God searching for the lost sheep and his willingness to spend all his resources until he finds the lost sheep. Now, people living with dementia aren't lost. They're firmly in God's loving hands, but they may feel lost and their families may feel they've lost them. And it's into this milieu that the Anna Chaplin offers loving pastoral and spiritual care. People living with dementia and other forms of declining health have reached a particular stage on the road of their discipleship, their journey into God. Every point on their journey presents its challenges, and they will have encountered and overcome many already. Debbie Thrower says that if we were to give up on such people because of their age or their mental capacity, through negligence or ignorance, we would be saying that the road has become too hard to accompany them on. It would be the denial of our own path of discipleship where we have to offer a shoulder to those who need to rest and to carry those who can go no further. My own plans as an Anna Chaplin here will be initially to be a regular visitor at Mill House to build up one-to-one -one conversations and friendships. And then when I feel that I'm beginning to know them a little better, we'll start some very simple short services and hopefully restart the Vintage Messy Church sessions again. I'm very keen that we should have a support group here for the carers of those with dementia. And I think that's probably going to be the first thing that I've tried to do. I would love to do some more all-age things. I'd love it even if it was just an afternoon tea party sometimes, an occasional all-age worship. And I would, I'm really feeling more and more that God is talking to me about an adopt-a-granny scheme. So um, watch this space for about that. 
And I am hoping that some of you in the church family will be willing to become Anna friends and help me and pray for these initiatives. A few people have already approached me to say they would love to do that, which is wonderful. And as Phil has said, for two years, this work is going to be part of what I have to do as my BA for the Light Project. But I am really hoping that this is just the first step and that this will be a ministry that will grow and that I will hopefully be able to lead no longer than just the two years. And I'm feeling so blessed because the leadership team are already praying for me. And in particular, David Sylvester is very kindly going to be my supervisor, which is great. So just to finish, the former dean of Westminster Abbey, writer Michael Mayne, you may know him. He once said, the most fundamental truth of all that our churches need to express is that whoever you are, you have worth. And if you have human worth, then you have eternal worth. And it's not just the human lover who affirms the value of the one he or she loves with the words, I love you because you are you. It is God who in Jesus says those words to each one of us. But the only way that he can say it now is literally through people like us to those around us. So, like Joy, I just close by asking for your prayers, not just for me, but for all Anna chaplains and all the teams of Anna friends across the country who have chosen to help other disciples further along the road and to wait alongside those who are waiting for the kingdom of God and whose time is nearing its conclusion. Thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, we're delighted that you uh, are taking on this role amongst us. And uh, we just want to pray for you. And then we'll sing our final song so the band can come and be ready. Let's just pray together. It was a joy this morning, Lord, just to commission Wendy into this new role in the life of the church and in this town. And we thank you, Lord, for her heart and uh, Lord, for her stepping out in faith, thank you um, that there is still a book to be written, Lord. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct Wendy in every step, in her studies with the Light Project and in the placement with us here as an Anna Chaplain. And Lord, we pray that there will be many who are ministered to uh, through her and through others that gather around. So, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon her. In Jesus' name, amen.